Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. So grateful that you're with us tonight on this Christmas service. Welcome to Pinewood Church, Pinewood fam. Welcome to Pinewood Church, Pinewood guests. If it's your first time with us tonight, we hope that you feel like a very honored and very special guest. I hope you got greeted on your way in. Hope you got some good coffee. And if you have kids, your kids are safe and sound. Uh, probably in there with one of our kids. We have five, one at every age. And so uh, your kids and my kids, they're making friendships right now. This is awesome. But we're thankful that you're here. Uh, wasn't, the, wasn't that time of worship amazing? Isn't it amazing when you can come into a space uh, with a heavy heart, lean in just to a little bit of worship? Get into the presence of God. Let the spirit move. And it is amazing whenever you lean in, God leans in, and you commune together, and he begins to reveal things to you about your life. I think it was in the first song. I'm over here breaking down on the front row, just weeping. Like, God, like, wait, wait till the second song at least. Like, I don't know I'm going to be able to come back from this. But we're just grateful to be here today. We're continuing through our series titled The King. We've been working through it for the last three weeks, and what we've been looking at is some of the characters and some of the events surrounding uh, the birth of Jesus. Tonight, we're going to switch it up just a little bit. Is that okay? It's not going to be as historical tonight, if that's okay. We're going to get extremely practical tonight. I, I'm just, I, I, that's why I brought the chair. I'm just going to sit down, and we're just going to have a conversation tonight, and my hope and my prayer is that as we examine the text and just the narrative around the Christmas story, it's my hope and my prayer that we can talk about some practical handles about how we can not only end this year well, but how we can go into 2020 and excel and really fulfill the purpose that God has given each and every one of us. So when we stop and we think about the Christmas story, what we actually are seeing is God's plan and purpose that he staged long before. Every detail was intentional. Every detail was written down. And I love of the, what we see about this story about Jesus coming down, the nativity story, is that it fulfills what was the theme of Scripture. Do you know what the theme of all Scripture was? God's love. Isn't it good to know that our faith is centered on the love of God and Jesus we see this all throughout Scripture. We call it the nativity story, but it is a love story. More than a love story, it's a love story about God's love for you and for the world. We see this even in John three sixteen. What does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have, would have everlasting life. We also see in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. We've all heard this. If you've ever been to a wedding, you've heard the love chapter before. Love is patient, love is kind, you know? But it actually ends in verse 13 by saying, all three of these last forever, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. You have faith, hope, and love, and love wins out every time. The greatest is love. Speaking of the greatest, in Scripture, in Deuteronomy, what do we see? We see the greatest command. You mean we have commands, but there's one that's great? Yes. What is that command? To love God 
with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. There seems to be this theme in Scripture centered on love. We see that God, he demonstrates his love toward us in sending his son, Jesus, to the earth. This is God demonstrating his love toward us. And he sent Jesus not just so that he could live a perfect life and give us an example to follow. He sends Jesus so that he can be the savior of the world. This is a, this is a big sin. This is his son, fully God, fully man, coming into the world, yes, to live the perfect life, but also to die for the sins that you and I really deserve to die for. But the love story doesn't end with his death. It didn't finish there. He rose again on the third day, defeating death, defeating sin, and the grave forevermore so that we can have life. He gives us love, he is love, and he gives us life. And we see this in scripture. I say all this to say that a theme is a big deal. We see it in the nativity scene, we see it all throughout scriptures. And I wanna ask you today, how many of you here today have already made your 2020 New Year's resolutions? It's okay. I'm gonna ask again. Don't be ashamed, okay? The front row came strong because they don't know what's happening on the back row, okay? If you've, <laughs> that's why I love you, front row. You go for it. You don't even know. The back row may be hating, but you're still going for it. All right, let's try it again. If you have, it's okay. How many of you have made your New Year's resolutions already? We're not hating on resolutions today. Okay. Uh, my, favorite, my favorite was this one. It's like, oh, I'm still thinking about it out there. It's like I'm halfway on my resolution. So if you think about your resolutions, more often than not, do we finish our resolutions? All right. If we know that going into every resolution, then what is our bullseye with the re resolution? You know, if I hit a solid 50%, you know, if I make it to June, I'm feeling good. How many of you have committed to a New Year's resolution and finished it, executed it flawlessly? Woo, we got some people in the house tonight living out their resolutions. Of course, of course you did. I, I still love you, though. Like, I, I, it's why I love you. No, but I think, it's, I think it's a challenge for many of us to complete our resolutions. And I think if I could challenge you today, I think one of those reasons is because we don't put a central theme to our resolution. I want to just, I want to rethink resolutions today. And you're saying, why are we talking about New Year's resolutions two weeks prior to a New Year's resolution? And here's why. If I were to talk about this in January, wouldn't it be too late? Yeah, we need to be thinking about it now, some goals, some themes that we can set. I want to challenge you today, and I want to say that maybe one of the reasons it's been so hard is because we haven't set a theme. And if you're here tonight and you say, well, I've already set a theme, like, I'm good at, I'm good at that. Okay, well, maybe you've set a theme, but you haven't put practical handles around that theme so that, and, and habits, so that you can faithfully walk out the commitment and the goal that you set in the beginning of the year. And we're going to look at the nativity scene and the story of Jesus coming to really set the stage for how we can have a meaningful, purposeful, and intentional 2020. Does that sound okay? And, and really, we're gonna ask them some very basic questions. Every year, uh, I set a theme for my life, 
This past year, my theme was communication. And you're like, wow, you're one thing. Of all the things to choose, communication. That's not what I'm doing right now. It was a lot broader than that. Uh, I felt like the Lord was uh, convicting me, really, and just inspiring me to be a better communicator. Better communication with my wife, which shout out all the married people. Better communication with your spouse wins the, the day, okay? Like, <laughs> it's, this is a good thing. I wanted to have better communication with my wife, better communication with my kids and my friends, better private communication, better public communication. I want to be a better communicator in small settings and in big settings. Basically, I wanted my words to have meaning. I wanted to be intentional with what I said. I wanted to honor really well. I didn't want to be a person that dishonored people. I wanted to be a person that spoke truth and life over people. I wanted to be a person that could correct people if necessary. And so this was a theme for my life. And because I set this theme over my life, I want to be a better communicator. What did I do? I read books on communication, public speaking. I read books on preaching. I listen to podcasts. I watch YouTube videos. Why? Because what you see is that when there's a theme, what should follow are very simple and very practical ways for us to live that out. We even see that with scripture. The theme of love, and then what you see in the Old Testament is this love story pointing ahead to Jesus coming to demonstrate and to live out and fulfill love for you and I. You should be able to see practical and very simple ways looking ahead towards that end. So I felt like God had called me to communication, and so I leaned into it. There's a, um, a quote by a leadership author and communicator. It says, the patterns we cultivate shape the person we become. The patterns we cultivate shape the person that we become. Do you believe that? Well, no, I can live out the routine however I want, and I'm still going to get the result that I desired in the beginning. I don't believe that that's true. I believe that the patterns you create shape the person you become. It doesn't matter how seemingly insignificant those patterns may be. It's still going to shape you in the end. With that being said, what is your theme for 2020? Are you going to be proactive with 2020 or reactive? Are you going to be intentional to hear from God? Are you just going to see what happens? I want to challenge you today. Let's go into 2020 with everything we got. I don't believe that God has called us to go into 2020 with an average vision for our life. I think he's calling us to look to great things, to have faith and believe that he's leading us somewhere with great purpose and intentionality. There's a book in the Bible. It's called The Book of Wisdom. I highly encourage you to read it often. It's the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, in chapter 29, verse 18, it says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are blessed. Are you looking for where God is at work? Are you seeking his divine direction and guidance over your life? Uh, let's pray, and then I wanna, I wanna dive into three questions that I believe will help you today. God, I, I thank you for this time where we can come together and, and have a conversation and, and really lean into what the scripture has to say about how we can be intentional with our time that we have here and, and make the most of next year, Father. We, we truly desire that That next year is about you, about furthering your mission, about seeking your kingdom first, and about 
about being intentional in every area of our life. So, Father, we ask for your wisdom. We ask for your spirit to be the teacher today and do what I cannot, and that's change lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, if you're taking notes, the first question that I want you to consider tonight is this. How do I finish this year well? Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, I've kind of been crushing this year. So, you know, I'm going to check out right now because, like, I'm good. Come on. Like, let's, let's just, this is a safe space, okay? None of us are ending this year exactly like we had planned, all right? Maybe it could have been a little better in some way. Maybe you couldn't have yelled at your spouse the way that you did or before you got here today. Woo. Maybe you could a little bit spend a little more time with your kids this week instead of going and I was about to say go skiing every day. But I just, I'm about to touch on somebody today. I'm about to preach to somebody today. And it starts starting to sting a little bit. I'm just saying, there's some areas in our lives where I'm sure could have been a little more intentional, a little bit more pers- purposeful and a little bit better. And I believe that how you finish matters. How you start is good, but how you finish is what really counts. There's a passage in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 8. It says, finishing is better than starting. Did you know the Bible said that? Come on. Finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. It's not about how you start that counts. It's how you finish. If I have any runners in the house tonight, if you were to sign up for a marathon, which many of you do, many of you don't even stop there. You're like, marathons? (laughs) I'm a triathlete, baby. Okay, all right. Where are my ultras at in the house tonight? Iron men and women, let's go. Let's just say you sign up for a marathon, and this is what many of us do in our lives, and you come right out of the gate strong in that first mile. I mean, you're a solid four-minute mile, okay? You are Usain Bolt times two. I mean, you are getting after it right out the gate. And you got a marathon. You got 26 miles ahead of you. But then you start to gas out around 13. Around 18, it really starts to hurt. And by mile 25, you collapse, passed out on the race floor, because you really weren't thinking about the end. You started well. Tons of passion, I'm sure. With the best of intentions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to PR this bad boy. But then you don't finish. I, I feel like that's the story of many of our lives. That so often we start. And oftentimes we think we start well, but... We stumble and fall in the end. I personally want to say what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Uh, at the end of his ministry, he said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. I believe that anyone can start, but it takes perseverance to finish to the end. I think it takes healthy rhythms in your life to finish to the end. I think it takes listening and adhering to divine guidance and direction from God for you to finish in the end. You're like, I started strong, but I didn't finish strong. Then I would ask, at what point did you stop listening to God's guidance in your life? 
At what point did you stop listening to God's word and reading God's word? At what point did you stop praying to God? At what point did every other thing in your life take priority except God? Because I want to tell you right now, what God starts, he finishes. I've said before that here at Pinewood, I would have quit a thousand times. Starting a church from scratch is not easy. But if, if I started this thing, I would have stopped a thousand times. But I can't stop what I didn't start. God started this thing. God is building this thing. And I just pray that he lets me be a part of this thing for as long as he wills. Every day I come in here, I'm like, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be here. God, keep me in the game. I want to stay faithful. Keep me in the game. Do you want to be able to say what Paul said? I have fought a good fight, and I have finished the race. Looking at the nativity, aren't you glad that Jesus didn't stop by sending his son? Like, we think about the nativity all the time, and it's almost centered around the nativity, which is great, because then we have Easter coming up, you know, which we're going to celebrate the resurrection. But aren't you glad that it didn't just stop at the birth? but that the plan extended far greater than that into the very details of how Jesus lived his life, the very details of the example that he gave us to follow as a servant and as a servant leader, the examples of love that he gave us all the way to the cross where Jesus laid down his life. But aren't you glad that it didn't finish At the cross, I love John chapter 19, 28 and 30. This is, Jesus is all about finishing what he started as well. It says this, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. I love this. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it in a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. You see, what God starts, what God initiates, he brings to completion. God started a plan in the beginning of history to save and to redeem that which was lost. And that plan included his son, Jesus Christ, coming into the world and being born of a baby in a manger and not leading as any other king would from a throne with an army, but leading as a humble servant born in Bethlehem. But it didn't stop there. Even when he said, it is finished, that meant that the penalty has been paid Your sins are forgiven, but he didn't stop there. He went on to be raised, which was prophesied by the Spirit and set in motion by the Father. Jesus was raised from the grave by the power of the Holy Spirit so that in his death, burial, and his resurrection, you and I can find life, hope, and freedom. And then he ascended to be with the Father, and he sat down. And why did he sit down? as a representation to say the work is finished. It is done. God starts, completes what he starts. 
I wanna tell you this tonight. Some of you need to hear this. The middle doesn't determine the end. It's not over. The middle does not determine the end. It's not over. What do I mean by that? God is not done with you yet. The best is yet to come. That from where you are to where God wants to take you, God wants you to see victory. He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker, promise keeper. He's a light in the darkness. God will never fail. You know, as followers of Christ, so many of us, unfortunately, we live in the zone of defeat. It's almost like even when good things happen, we find a way to be cynical about it. But we live in this zone of defeat. But as followers of Jesus, we don't look ahead to victory. We look back from victory. So that in every situation of our lives, we can say that, oh, no, 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 this thing is happening in my life, but God is victorious. Like, I know that my marriage is on the rocks now, but I believe that God is going to resurrect this thing. God's going to restore this thing and bring us together. I know that I've been fighting this addiction, but I fight this addiction from victory, not for victory. God has already broken the chains of sin and guilt and shame. And he's done it for me before, and he's going to do it again and again and again and again and again. And he never fails. Never fails. Just because it's in the middle and it's hard does not mean that it has to end that way. Have you ever started something that you didn't finish? A book that you started you didn't finish? Maybe it was a diet you went on that lasted for a day. (laughs) Four hours. Okay. That was nice. On to the next. I think we've all had those moments and those Those seasons of our life where we start something and we don't finish. How does it feel to start something and not finish? Bad. You feel defeated. You feel like a failure. But you're not. I want to tell you you today that you're not where you have to be. So many of you are like, yeah, I'm not where I want to be. I want to tell you, you're not where you have to be. That God wants, that God has a great plan and a purpose for your life. He loves you so much. You're here today and you're thinking to yourself, like, God's plan for me was the bad plan. You know, I'm looking around at all of the people around me living this awesome life, but I think God may have overlooked my life. And I want to tell you, that's a lie from the enemy. Philippians 1.6 says, for he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work in you. That there is something good that God wants to do in your life. That there is a purpose for where you are in the season that you're in. You're like, yeah, but I'm in a season of grief. Guess what? God can use that grief for his good and his glory. But I'm in a season of doubt. Guess what? You want to you wanna leverage that doubt for his glory? Start telling some people that you're in a season of doubt, but guess what? You're going to stay faithful. God can take the season that you're in, the good things that he wants to do in your life, and use it for his glory. And he could use it to advance his kingdom. Write this down and, sit and put it in your pocket for later. God does not leave an abandoned project. 
You may feel abandoned. You're not. He's with you. He's Emmanuel. He does not leave an abandoned project. Application to step one, start a backlog. It's very simple. This is where we get practical. Extra practical. Determine in advance the overarching values that will drive your backlog. What is a backlog? A backlog is a list of everything you wanted to do in 2019 and a list of everything you want to do in 2020. And what is God calling you to do in 2020? Make it as big and robust and as audacious as you can. Create a backlog. How can I finish? Well, create a backlog. The bigger, the better. Number two, how do I prepare well for a new year? Uh, Habakkuk 2.2, the Lord answered me. He said, write this vision clearly and inscribe it on the tablets so one may easily read it. We see that God gave Habakkuk a vision, but instead of just giving him the vision saying, I'm sure you'll remember it, he said, no, 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 write this Hummer down because you're going to forget. How how many of you know, like, when God tells you something, if you're like, oh, thanks, and then you just kind of go on with your life and you don't actually write it down, you don't actually build a plan around God's calling and his vision for your life, you're very prone to forget. I believe that unless you go into 2020 with a plan, you're likely to return back to your old standard of living. If we just go into 2020 to see what it has for us, I think you're gonna fall back into what you just know as your norm. And I believe that God has called us to something better than that. P.K. Bernard, he said, a man without a vision is a man without a future. A man without a future will always return to his past. Can we all say that that is absolutely true of our lives? (laughs) That without a vision, we have no future without a future. And this scripture speaks to this very clearly as well. In Luke 14, 28 through 30, this is an example of Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. Okay, that's, we might not laugh at them. Come on, I mean, some of you would, which is not okay, not okay. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. I believe that it's, it's great to have a big vision, but if that vision doesn't have a plan, if you're not writing it down and being intentional with the steps, that I I think you're likely to be a thinker and not a follower of God. God, thank you for that vision. Wow, that seems audacious. I'm gonna give that a shot. And you never write it down. You never put, you never tell it to people. You never put an action plan together. Then it's almost to me like somebody wanting to give you the greatest gift of your life and you're being like, oh, that's cute, thank you. But never like receiving it, never implementing it. God has a plan for your life, a big vision for your life. And I'm gonna encourage you right now, write it down, make a plan, count the cost. I love that he said, I wanna pull out that word, count the cost. Whatever God is calling you to do in 2020, no matter how big or audacious, no matter how scary, no matter how much sacrifice it may take, count the cost. Count the cost and say, is it, is it worth it? I want to tell you right now, every year that I feel like God has given me and my wife a vision for our family and for the future, there's been a cost attached to it. 
Why? Because when God calls you to his path, he calls you to a path where you have to, Scripture says, take up your cross daily, deny yourself, and follow me. So you're like, man, I love this preacher. He's preaching that, like, God's got this awesome plan for my life. Like, all good things are going to rain down and flow. Like, man, like, give me all of that good future talk. Okay, here's where it gets a little, yeah, you got to die. That's what the scripture says. Like, your plans, your vision, your goals, it's like, oh, good. Okay, like, no, this is, I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to seek God and his vision for my life, his divine guidance for my life, and then I can be a follower of God. Then that's how we get God's purpose over our life. That's how we get his favor and his anointing over our life. That's where we get the, the, the filling of the spirit and the joy is when we obey a scripture to fully count the cost to what it means to be a follower of God. We desperately need vision. That verse that I read in the beginning, other translations say, in, in Proverbs 29, 18, other translations say, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. They do whatever they want. Uh, the New Living says, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. How many of you have seen, or maybe in your own life, without divine direction, divine vision from God, is you, you, you cast off restraint, you run wild, you do what you want, you do your thing. And then in the message it says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. I, I wanna help you today. I don't want your 2020 to be you stumbling all over yourself. I don't want your 2020 to be unrestrained, to run wild. It sounds fun for a season, but it's a season. And sin will take you farther than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay. And then you'll look back on your life and you'll be like, what just happened? How did I even end up here? Well, you weren't leaning into the divine guidance from God and his direction over your life. Application for that is to craft a blueprint. Craft a blueprint. So we're going to build, we're going to uh, start a backlog and then we're going to craft a blueprint. Here's what I want you to do. Look ahead at a one year, five year and 30 year plan for your life ahead. You notice what I said? And then from that one to five to 30 year ahead, I want you to look back at what kind of legacy you want to leave after a year, what kind of legacy you want to leave after five years, and what kind of legacy you want to leave after 30 years. One year, five year, 30 year. Create a blueprint. Uh, my wife and I did this uh, whenever uh, we first got married, and we set a goal that we wanted to be uh, debt-free in five years. And honestly, I told my wife, you know, we prayed about this, and I felt like this was divine guidance over our life. You know, we even said, like, we feel like God has given us this word that we're going to be debt-free in five years. And we had a significant, I cannot overemphasize, like all caps, significant amount of student loans. Um, went to school for a minute. And so, um, <laughs> just, just a little bit. And so, uh, we had a lot of student loans. And it was interesting because what we did in that season after we felt like God had given us that word, we brought the right people in. We, we said it, uh, which I want to say this, uh, put your mouth where your faith is. You've heard the saying, put your money where your mouth is. Put your mouth where your faith is. 
if God gives you guidance, gives you direction for your life, gives you a word, speak it. Tell it to others. And we told people, God's going to make us debt free in five years. This is impossible. I was in ministry. Like, so I know what I made, and it was like, I mean, it was paying the interest, okay? It wasn't like, there was no miracle happening in that salary, all right? Which is fine. It's, it is what it is. But we didn't waver on our faith because it was a word from God. And sure enough, God allowed us through a series of miracles, 100% all from him and for his glory, allowed us to uh, buy and to flip two houses. I want to tell you this too. So many, uh, so many of you here today are like, oh, like God gave me this word. He's going to remove my debt. Five years later, it's like, man, what did you do? Nothing. He gave me the word. <laughs> like, come on. If God gives you a word, there's a responsibility, okay? He doesn't expect you to be lazy with his word, apathetic with his word, average towards his word. No, no, no. Get your hands in the game. Respect the God of the universe and say, God, I'm going to give everything that I have towards that word. I'm going to work hard and I'm going to have faith. So who'd pay off the debt? Was it me working hard or was it God? It was 100% God. And I'm thankful that he let me be a part of it through my hard work and through the ownership of the responsibility that I felt that went along with the call. And I'm happy to say that after the second house flip, this was just before we moved here, um, we made a call and we paid off 100% of our debt. We're 100% debt free. You can clap because it's God. It was like he did a miracle. And would you believe that it was literally just enough? There was even one situation. This is just a side note to uh, generosity. There was one situation where we were like, if we tithe based on the gross of what we made on this house, we're not going to be able to pay off our student loans. And in that instance, I'm not going to lie. Like, I had all the faith, and I was generous. But I'm like, ooh, this is tricky, God. This is like, is it like, which one is you? And, you know, my wife and I, we prayed about it, and we said, no, we have to commit to what we committed to at the beginning of our marriage where we were going to say God is going to get the first and the best. So the second we got the uh, return from the house, we paid 100%, the, not 100%, we paid a significant portion, we'll say the percent, towards the t- our tithes and offerings, what we felt led and called by God to give, even though it meant that we weren't going to be able to be debt-free. And would you believe that through a series of events, through some tax breaks that we got that we didn't know about and through some other events that happened with the sale of the house that we not only got enough back in return to pay off our student loans, but had extra coming to Colorado. Come on. All God. But faithful. Is he calling, like, are you faithful with what he's calling you and telling you to do? Is a question. Craft a blueprint. Last thing is this. Uh, how do you start your year well? And Acts 20, 24 says this. How to start the year well. This is looking ahead in January. This is really important. Acts 20, 24. But I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord to testify to the gospel of God's grace. Now, why is it important that I read this passage? Why, I mean, you probably were thinking like it was gonna be a passage on how to start. Well, I think it's important because I believe that 
how you want to finish determines how you start. Like at the end of a year, do you want to be known for the efforts you put forward and the things that you achieved and the goals that you reached? Or do you want to be known for having finished the race and that it wasn't about yourself, that all of this is about God and his guidance over my life, for his glory, for the advancement of his kingdom? Like I want to be marked as a legacy of being faithful to God. Not growing a big church, not being a public speaker, not being an author, none of those things, but to be faithful to the calling that God has over my life. If I had a theme for my life, it would be faithful. None of us honestly really know when our time is. This Christmas, and especially at the start of this new year, you know, you know, it's, it's very sensitive for our, uh, our family right now, but having the conversations of like, you know, honestly, we never really know uh, when that time is. Uh, so when you plan a year, when you plan five years or 30 years, I mean, if we're being honest, I think that a lot of us say like, well, 2020 is gonna be my year. 2021, I'm gonna give to God because once I get some things straight for me, then, then I'm gonna actually be able to go all in for God in 2021. And I wanna say like, you, you, how do you know you're making it to 2021? No, I think forever starts now. How you want to live in eternity starts now. How you want to live in five years starts now. The disciplines that you want to put into place, the habits, they start now. I want to be able to finish every day saying, I ran the race today. I finished what you called me to do today. I've completed my task. I was obedient to what you called me to do. And so I, I think how you want to, start really is determined by how you want to finish. And I, I, I want to ask this last question, and then we're going to be done. But what kind of a legacy do you want to leave? I think if we think about what kind of legacy we want to leave, then I think that's going to really help us set a theme for our 2020. Like, what is the thing we're going to strive for? What are the strategic habits that I'm going to put into my life that will give me, you know, a per perfect opportunity to sit and read the scripture at least four times a week. Uh, the habits in my life is where I can pray and be around a good faith community that's gonna come around me and help me fulfill the vision God has for my life. Don't you wanna, if, if you're a follower of Jesus and you wanna fulfill the mission of God, which is seeking to save the lost, amen, doesn't it make sense to put yourself around the people that have that exact same mission? So that whenever you start to swerve and start to live for yourself and start to live for your own goals and dreams and destiny, you have somebody come along and say, hey, um, how you doing? A very subtle way of saying, uh, let's, come on, like, I know what you committed to. I know where you want to be. I know, what you, I know what your goal is. This isn't you. Let's get back on the path. I believe it's important to put people around you in 2020 that are gonna have the same vision, same direction as you. There's a statement that says, your alignment determines your assignment. Your connection determines your direction. I could go all day, all right? The people around you matter. And if we're looking ahead, put the people around you that are going to give you a very meaningful, purposeful, and intentional 2020. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com.
If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.